Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters is on the air. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time as entrepreneur, author, speaker Deborah Hartnett showcases the triumphant journey of these powerful sisters. You'll be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278 or listen live 24 hours a day at www.wealthysisters.com. Now, our host, Deborah Hardnett. Hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by the professional black woman. You can visit us at www.thepbw.com. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women of color, and our purpose is twofold. First, we love to inspire and encourage you, the listener, and second, we must edify, promote, acknowledge, and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and today is another Monday, May 30th, 2011, and it happens to be Memorial Day. And I hope you are as excited about your future as I am because, trust me, it is extremely bright no matter what it looks like. You know, we are here every week at the same time. That's Mondays at 12 noon Eastern. So go out and spread the good news that we are here. I tell you, today, as we just mentioned, is Memorial Day, and uh, at first we were planning to take our time off and uh, to take what we call a holiday or vacation uh, time today, but, you know, we were led to do something a little different um, on the show, and just just thinking back from my childhood, remembering this Memorial Day has always been uh, an exciting day for me because it represented the beginning of summer, you know, my mother cooking out, doing, I mean, she was a fabulous old man. She was fabulous on the grill, and uh, yeah, I thought about, you know, the pool, this is when the pool would open, and all of those things. But it wasn't until recent um, years that I was exposed to the military more and got to uh, be able to meet other people who've been serving and forming careers, and just just my eyes were just completely open to what the day is all about, Memorial Day, and taking time uh, to really, really pay honor, to pay homage to those men and women who serve in the military and who have given their lives uh, in defense and protection of our country. So today, we want to take a very special time just to acknowledge some incredible individuals and to say thank you. Uh, We have a great show planned for you. We actually uh, are going to be featuring one powerful sister, uh, Staff Sergeant Carletta S. Davis, 
um, out of Anchorage, Alaska. Her mother um, is going to be on on the show with us today sharing her story. And then also we have a phenomenal uh, guest as well, uh, and Miss Elaine Donnelly. She's actually over the uh, Center for Military Readiness, and she's going to be sharing a lot of her experiences and information that she has on this. So we need you right now. You know what we tell you to do. Go out, call, text, tweet. Facebook, let everybody know that we are live at 347-838-9278. As well, uh, you can listen to us live at www.wealthysistas.com. And remember to follow us so you can get your reminders of the show. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. So when we come back uh, after this short break, we will return and have an opportunity to speak to our first guest on the show, Miss Elaine Dunley, who is over the Center for Military Readiness. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebatygroup.com. That's T H E B A T I E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877 264 7699. This segment is sponsored by willdrake.com. That's www.willdraike.com. The hot new suspense novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Permal Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Available in stores November 2009. Yes, good afternoon and welcome. Happy Memorial Day to all of our listeners. want to thank you, as always, for tuning in to our show. We're so excited to have each and every one of you in the chat room. And also wanted to take a special reminder to have you visit www.thetvw.com. You've got to see what's happening there. We've got Maximizing You Tour. They're going to be kicking off in a few short days. Don't want to miss it. Go to the pbw.com. Now, for our special show today, we want to just introduce to you our, our first guest, uh, Miss Elaine Donnelly, who is, happens to be the founder and president of the Center for Military Readiness and an independent public policy organization that specializes in military personnel issues. It was founded in 1993. CMR advocates high single standards in training and sound priorities in military social policies. Secretary of Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger appointed Ms. Dunnelly to be a member of the Defense Advisory Committee on Women in the Service, for a three-year term, and in 1992, President George H.W. Bush appointed her to the Presidential Commission on Assignment of Women in the Armed Forces. As a member of the DACOWITS and the Presidential Commission, Mrs. Donnelly participated in fact-finding visits to numerous military bases all over the country, including Army's Fort Bragg, three Marine training bases, the Naval Academy, Academy and U.S. Military Cat Academy, just to name a few. So it is our pleasure to welcome to the show today Miss Elaine Donnelly. Hello. Hi, good afternoon. So nice to talk with you today. 
Yes, thank you for having uh, and taking the time uh, for coming on the show today. Uh, I know we just actually made contact this Friday, so I really appreciate you being so uh, flexible in the time there as well. Well, especially on Memorial Day. You know, it's uh, it's customary for everyone to pause and think about all the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines who have given their lives, given everything for our country over the years. And when you called and said you wanted to talk about women who have made a career of the military, and in particular, 123 who have been killed since the beginning of the current wars, since 9-11, I've kept a list of all their names. And it's always a sad day when I have to add another name to them. But we don't think about them too often, and you don't even read about them very often. Uh, Sometimes only the hometown newspapers will tell their stories. And every one of them are brave, courageous. They uh, went off to serve their country, knowing that they would be at high risk in uh, a dangerous situation. Um, Some misunderstood when they went in, thought that, well, I won't be in danger, I'll just be in a support role. I don't think that's the case anymore. We're pretty much, uh, I think everybody realizes everyone is in harm's way. Uh, There are differences, or at least they're supposed to be, in regulations as to how women are used in the military. Close combat is supposed to be all male. Um, But we do know that everybody is in harm's way, and that's why we honor and respect so much the women who volunteer to serve. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you actually um, started this path that you're on today. Well, Deborah, it was the same way you mentioned just a few minutes ago, uh, Mm -hmm. meeting the military people, uh, in the way that I did as the, the Defense Advisory Committee on Women in the Services, DACOWITS as it's called, um, that was back in the 1980s, and it's largely a committee composed of civilian women, very little exposure to the military prior to that, although my father was a submariner. And just going to those meetings several times a, a year, and also on my own, going to visit the military bases, and then later in 92 on Uh, the Presidential Commission. I made every base visit that I could squeeze in. Uh, You see a very, very special culture there. It's an institution unlike any other. Uh, The military is what defends this country, and it is so important that we maintain its high standards, its its, its culture. By culture, I mean most simply how things are done. Um, Obedience, for instance, obedience to order. Um, This is something that we don't even see in the civilian world, nothing like it. Um, Living far away from home in conditions of little or no privacy, always at risk. Uh, These kinds of elements, uh, people who willingly uh, raise their hand and volunteer to serve their country, they're making a great sacrifice, regardless of where they serve, but especially when they are in a war zone. Uh, it It is such a special institution, but the problem is, And the reason I formed my organization was that it's very vulnerable to political forces, people uh, in political life who think that the military is like any other equal opportunity employer, that uh, civilian concepts can be imposed on it. That's where you run into trouble. And uh, we've seen a lot of social turmoil in the military in recent years, which we chronicle on a regular basis. Mhm mhm that's that's a amazing walk there that um that you've taken and a lot of the information that you've learned. Can you share a little bit more about your experience um being uh, appointed by the, the the secretary then defense uh Catherine Weinberger and then later mm-hmm. president george h w Bush? 
Yes. Well, again, the members of Dakowitz, it was a, a larger committee back then. There were about 30-some members, and there were military advisors who were with us all the time. And our job was to go to military bases, look for issues that were of special concern to military women. And the theory was that a civilian woman can do more to reach the top brass uh, if something okay. needed to be fixed. So I personally wrote a number of recommendations that I hope were helpful to military women. Back then, uh, women in space was something that you didn't see because military women were at a disadvantage. Um, we invited Sally Ride, the first female astronaut, to come and visit the Dakowitz, um, and we opened the doors for military women to have that same opportunity. Five years later, that began, and now it's like, oh, well, wasn't it always that way? Um, mm-hmm. Back then, it wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we just we got used to the idea of men and women in the military. Back then, people weren't accustomed to saying and women in the military. They certainly are now. Um, we were not into the more intense issues of women in close combat, direct round combat. Um, that was something that, and it, frankly, it still is as far as I'm concerned, something that is not a good idea for women. They don't have an equal opportunity to survive in close combat. Uh, mm-hmm. Physical differences are part of it, but there's more to it than that. Um, but as we're seeing in the in the current wars, we've got an awful lot of women who are out there serving. They're doing extremely well, but many of them are single mothers. And the ones that trouble me the most, 17 um, women who are uh, parents, not all of them single, but many of them are, uh, with little children left behind. Uh, yes, this troubles me. I think uh, the nation is not really aware of it, but we've, we've become accustomed to it. I don't know if that's a good thing or a, or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Now, when you started um, the Center for Military Readiness, and uh, it, it started uh, again in, was it 19? 1993, right. That was right after my term. Uh-huh on the presidential commission. Let me back up just a moment. I didn't ask you, answer your question about the commission. It was established in uh, 1992. It was the most comprehensive uh, study and analysis of whether or not female soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines should be in direct ground combat or close combat in the Navy. And um, we came out with a mixed results. We were opposed to direct ground combat, such as the infantry, special operations forces and the like. Uh, There was a split decision on uh, Navy ships. Uh, Navy ships have since been open to women. Everything except until recently, submarines and amphibious vessels, those are pretty much gone now. Those, um, what we called exemptions, some called them exclusions. Um, But during that period, that's when I had the opportunity to land on the carrier twice. I flew in an F-15. I went to Fort Bragg. I went to a prisoner of war training camp. I got jammed into a small box uh, with a hood over my head and got uh, a taste of what it would feel like to be a captive behind enemy lines. And uh, that experience we brought back to the commission. The commission uh, came out against the use of women in combat aviation, and the main reason was the prisoner of war uh, situation and that that, uh, reality that could very well happen. And um, for that reason, we came out with a result that a lot of people did not expect. Um, But the law regarding combat aviation was repealed, and women are in combat aviation right now, tactical aviation. They land on carriers. They fly virtually every aircraft except for special operations forces. 
Uh, again, they are very courageous, highly respected. The only problems that occur, most often they happen because of double standards in training, and I never blame the women for that. It's usually the policymakers and the Pentagon people who try to accommodate differences in a way uh, that, that creates an unreal situation, and that sometimes causes an awful lot of problem. Um, there's also issues regarding sexuality in the military, as you know. Um, in the Navy, one commanding officer, more than one per month for the last couple of years, has been discharged, most often due to sexual misconduct. Why does that happen? Well, because people are human, and mm-hmm. it's something that is um, its an issue in the Navy. It's one that um, probably is going to become even more complicated if or when this issue of homosexuality in the military goes through. That's another issue of concern to CMR. Um, but, again, to me, to complicate standards, to create situations that encourage uh, turbulence or misconduct or indiscipline rather than discipline, these are where the problems occur. But it's it's the problems with the policymakers in the Pentagon I think, who are trying to uh, impose an unreal uh, situation or unrealistic um, goals. So, so when you when you actually um, your time was served on the commission and you formed um, the the CMR, what how did you go about compiling the list that uh, we can go to your website? Uh, is it it's www org and find the list there of the fallen women. Um, okay. And we know when we mention uh, that list, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about okay. that list as well, well you know, what, the, what the details are. The, the first name on the list, um, first casualty in Iraq, uh, we also have listed the names in Kuwait some prior to that, but PFC Lorianne Piestua, 23 She was captured and she died in captivity, March 23, 2003, a mother of two children, two boys, four and three at that time. And with her was, um, you may remember, Jessica Lynch, uh, the Mm -hmm. young blonde woman, 19 years old. Uh, Mm -hmm. She and Shoshana Johnson, a black woman, uh, they were captured, and Lorianne Piestua did not survive that experience. Um, What happened to Jessica Lynch was very interesting because at first the news came out that she was like a female Rambo and that she had been captured until and shooting the enemy until her ammunition ran out. Uh, that story, it turned out, was not true. And again, it wasn't her fault. She was unconscious and admitted, not admitted, she revealed in her book that came out a year and a half later that she had been seriously abused, raped repeatedly, while she was unconscious for about three or four hours uh, in the hands of, of the Iraqis. Again, this is this was very early in the war, March 23, 2003. This was part of the assault on Baghdad, liber- liberated Baghdad. She was in a unit, a support unit, that was close to the infantry, but not designated to attack the enemy. But she was in harm's way. Uh, the reason that happened was because rules changed in 1981, that a lot of people didn't realize, and she did not realize, according to her family, uh, Jessica Lynch, Lorianne Piestua, and Shoshana Johnson, they all said, but we didn't think they would be anywhere near the front line. Well, actually, they were because the rules had changed in 1981. So Lori Piestua, um, best friends with Jessica Lynch, did perish 
they found her when they uh, rescued Jessica, uh, buried in a shallow grave, she and some of the, the male soldiers. Uh, when I heard the news that there had been uh, captures of American soldiers, I knew in my heart when I heard it on the radio coming home that day that one of them likely would be a woman, and indeed it was. So that's the first name that appeared on our list, PFC Lorian Piestua. And she was captured, and Jessica Lynch was captured, but she did survive. She was sexually abused repeatedly. Uh, we know that because she was courageous enough to put that in her book, even though the Pentagon tried to convey a different story. Uh, I still have a problem with that. Why did the Pentagon allow that story to stand? They did not correct it. And my sources indicated that they knew the truth, but they did not allow the truth to come out. I just don't mm-hmm. think that's right. Mm-hmm. There's there's no wonder. I wonder. I'm sure you have a, a whole list of maybe reasons, perhaps, mm-hmm. of why um, that would take, <laughs> I'm sure, probably another show or two mm-hmm. to, to uncover. But tell us a little bit more um, about maybe one other, and then I'd like to, to bring on the line. I know you have uh, information as well on uh, Staff Sergeant Carletta's Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, um, passing as well as as I mentioned earlier in the show, her lovely mother is on the on the on the call as well. But tell us a little bit, maybe about one other, and then we'll go to. Um, well, Staff, Staff Sergeant Carlita Davis uh, was thirty thirty four years old uh, when an IED attack occurred at uh, Tal Al Dahab, Iraq. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. She was the mother of three sons, and she died on November fifth, two thousand seven. Um, her story, again, when these things occur, more often than not, it is these dreadful IED attacks in Iraq. Uh, in that year, 2007, they still had not gotten that problem solved or or getting to the point where the risk was uh, reduced. They, had, they created a new kind of vehicle and armor and things that they did not have at that point, I don't think, or they were not quite there yet. Um, but as I said before, everybody who serves in the war, and I think she was a medical assistant, um, that is not what you would call the direct ground combat position that involves attacking the enemy, but it most certainly involves being in danger. Everybody is in danger in this war zone, and we honor and respect her and mourn for her loss. Um, there were 17 women who were the parents of children under 18 years old, and she was one of them uh, who gave her life for our country. Well, speaking of uh, Staff Sergeant Carlita Davis, uh, we actually have her mother, Miss Lavada Napier, who's out of uh, the Fairbanks, uh, Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska area. We'd like to welcome you to Wealthy Sisters today, ma'am. How are you doing? Yes, I'm blessed. I'm, yes. I'm blessed and honored. Yes, and yes. Well, we I definitely... Um, Appreciate the um, you and all the people that keep her memory alive. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, we we love for you to just you know share a little story or two about your daughter. We we really like we said we see the names and it means something when you see the names. It really means another when you're able to put a face with a name and to know that they were viable and and, uh, had real lives. And tell us a little bit about um, her courage and some of the things you shared with me when we uh, spoke on Friday. Yes, well, 
when I just know that she was always helpful. She was always interested in helping people. And the medical, being in the uh, medic in uh, Fort Lewis, I believe she held that position for about 12 years, stationed in mm-hmm. Fort Lewis. And she just loved um, being a a medical person where she could help people, and she always helped people that were in distress. Mm-hmm. It was always some type of trauma, and the 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 Iraq and the all the war and the trips she made, she would you know come back and explain and tell us about the children that were in danger. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, she would explain that about, you know, being in the twilight, like a twilight zone, the movie that used to come out in the 70s. She would talk about mm-hmm. that, you know, she didn't she didn't want to always tell us the gory part of the task that she had to do. But... She would always want people to to do the right thing and not to be arguing over petty things. She said mm-hmm. because there's so much other uh, there's so many other um, happy things that you could be doing. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and she was always um, the family where around food. She would draw people with food. And she would always cook, and all of you know, all the friends or wherever she lived in a in a military base or in a community nearby, she would draw people, and they would always consider her like the mom. Mhm, mhm. Well, I'm sure she got that honestly by you just opening uh, your restaurant there. Uh, what, what's the name of it again? It's uh, Zadako Way Cafe, and it's out yeah, at small aircraft at um area in uh, Fairbanks International Airport. Okay. So we have we have listeners all over the world. Uh definitely yes. if you when you're in Alaska <laughs> to yes, have to go by, by and visit. Stop by <laughs> yeah. and get some Cajun some Cajun and some uh, southern comfort food. <laughs> oh wow! I bet that's that's yeah. really helpful being there as Deborah? well. So, yes, Deborah, could I ask Mrs. Is it Mrs. Napier? Yes, I'd like to ask her a question. Yes, go ahead. I, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, I noticed in one of the articles, I think it was the Associated Press, reported that before your daughter deployed, was it the third time that yes. she seemed to know something might happen? Could you tell more yes. about that? Yes, she um when she knew that she was going to be uh, deployed, she started visiting um relatives that she had always wanted to visit. Mm-hmm. And she um spent I believe it was 2 weeks a week before here in Fairbanks and she sat down with me and talked with me and she said, "You know, mom, I she called me uh, Mama, and she said, Mama, um, this trip is different. She said, this trip is different. I'm going to be attached with um, a unit out of Fort Drum. And she said, I just don't feel good about this at all. 
Hmm. And um, I just told her I'll be praying for her, and I pray for her protection and pray mm-hmm. that things go the way God would have them to go. Mhm, mhm. And um, I just know that she didn't feel comfortable about it, and she managed to, the last person that she visited was her birth father because Carletta had been adopted by my uh, husband when she was uh, seven years old. Mhm. And she visit when she visited her her natural father in uh, Illinois. He was in the hospital with congestive heart failure, and um, she stayed a week with him. But she um, got to you know visit her dad, and she called me after she visited him and let me know that you know she got to spend some time with him. Mm-hmm. And I, I it, Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Was that an infantry unit that she was attached with, or she wasn't assigned to the that infantry was, unit? No, she was a she was assigned as a medic with uh, uh, the Tenth Mountain. Mm-hmm. And they were, from the explanation that was given to me, that they were going to retrieve the twenty-two bodies that they had, I guess, located in that name that I can't pronounce, Hello, uh-huh. whatever that name is, and that the convoy, it was a convoy of the Humvees, and the, she was riding with, in the military with MP, which is a young man that was from Alaska. One of the men were from Alaska. Yes, one from the North Pole. Yes, North um, Pole. Sternal, Sternal, S T E E N O O. Yes, Stenroos. Yes. Sergeant Derek Stenroos of North mm-hmm. Pole also killed in the attack, along with yes. two other soldiers from Fort Drum's 1st Brigade Company. Yes. And wow. the vehicle, I guess, ran over the IED and it exploded. Yeah. So, mm. That was the information, you know, that had been given to me by the military. Where were you when you heard the news? I was at home. Mm-hmm. And um, when the two men, which is one is usually, I guess, a, a uh, chaplain and the other is usually an officer, and um, I had already seen that vision, two visions, them coming to the house and the the explosion. I'd already seen those things. So I guess that was in January. So I had like 11 months to prepare for the reaction of them delivering the information. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, we sit and talk, and I, I managed to get my telephone directory to try to call as many family members as I could so that they would not hear about her passing mm-hmm. over the over the television. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and um, while we were talking, and the, you know, they, I just felt that those two officers were so scared. They were so scared to deliver that information, and I was wondering why. You know, why were they so afraid to deliver the information? And the chaplain explained to me on a different day, not at that particular time, but on another day that I saw them at a different location, and I recognized and I wanted to know why did they seem, you know, like they were going to either run or fight, whichever the fear you know, when people get scared, they do different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the guy explained to me that, you know, when they deliver information about their loved ones, some people react different. And in one instance, a person took a baseball bat and wanted to beat the people that were delivering the information. Mm. And I didn't, yeah, I just couldn't imagine by somebody lashing out at another person mm-hmm. is not going to change the information that's being delivered. Right. But it's just good what they represented. Yeah. Right, 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 right. People respond differently to the, that right. type of information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, when when I was uh, reading that um, about uh, her having that fence, that sense that something was going to happen, um, yeah. and that it wasn't good. How does I mean was it, was she that type of person that that obviously followed instructions or yeah. you know because when we think I think Elaine you mentioned this earlier about how yeah. I mean used to corporate America I mean this is not something that we would do we would just either quit do something else yeah. or get a lawyer to protest culture but, of uh, obedience you cannot yeah. have a military without everyone understanding at all times they follow orders. Uh, there right. are all kinds of regulations and rules and and law that apply in the military. It has its own, in fact, its own legal code. It's called the UCMJ, right. Uniform mm-hmm. Code of Military Justice. And every person who raises their hand and joins the military subjects themselves to a different set of laws. And yeah. so the duty that that Carlita felt, even though she was so concerned about that deployment, she still mm-hmm. followed orders. She still got on the plane. And that's yep. what's so amazing to a civilian like me. I, I just stand in awe of this. I do, and, and And I know I live near a military base, so I do have relationships where people that are active duty, and when they are given um, the orders that they're going to be deployed in a war zone, mm-hmm. I mean, one person in particular, I remember them going out and they did not drink. They went out and got as drunk as they possibly could. They got in their vehicle, and they drove. And the civilian police stopped them and turned them over to the military. Mm-hmm. And in civilian life, if you get in your vehicle and you drive, you will go to the jail. You you go to they take you to jail. But this person did everything in the civilian life that they possibly could do to go to jail on the civilian terms. But 
they were turned over to the military in order to, um, because they knew that they were in the military when they found out, and then they actually, um, they that person actually did deploy and go to Iraq. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did yeah. not get the penalty of in the civilian world that you would get for DWI. Oh, well, that's they, right. The, the rules are different. The rules apply on yes. base and off base, yes. around right. the clock. Yes, twenty four seven, and that is one of the things that you know through our church that we support the families and the military um, individual as far as uh, letting the civilian person know that you know when people sign up for military. They are military 24-7, and we would take um, that person, if that person's income is uh, $1,800 a month, and they got three children, and they're they're at Fort uh, Wainwright, they are at hardship financially, and they're on call 24-7, so we would divide... The twenty-four-seven into the eighteen hundred dollars, and I think it's like a dollar and twenty-four cents an hour or something. That mm-hmm. we should support the family, the military family, a hundred percent because they're putting their life on the line, and yet they have to balance out this this small pay in order to keep their family, you know, with clothing and transportation and. They still have to do the same thing that uh, a civilian family would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we honor every family, and when they deploy, uh, we what if they need their grass cut or if they're you know living in, in um, um, off base, we do everything that we possibly can to help that family balance out their daily chores while their spouse is gone, whether it's a male or a female. And we do have both. And even if we just cook them a meal and take it to them or whatever whatever needs to be done, their child hair needs to be braided or comb or whatever needs to be done, we support them 100%. That's and those wonderful. are the things that... Um, when we're when we're uh, teaching people, whether it's children or adults, that we are responsible for our brother and sister, mm-hmm. we are responsible. We need to help them in whatever way possible, whether it's picking up trash off the highway, or whether it's picking up trash out of somebody's yard, or whatever whatever instance to help that person. That's oh. right. Mrs. That's Napier, right. I'm looking at your tribute to your daughter um, that you wrote on the OurFallenSoldier.com webpage uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, more than a year after her death. And uh-huh. uh, counting the days beyond your earthly death, does, death date does not make the pain go away. It just pulls the escape from my wounded heart. Talk, talking to my grandchildren is like medicine yeah. to ease the pain. Writing. Yeah. Reading and talking about my daughter, Carlita, helps me to get a point in life to encourage others, encourage them to think about what actions to take toward each other. And you go on from there, and it's it's a beautiful tribute. Uh, how are the boys, by the way? 
Um, the oldest one, Frey, he graduated on May 28th this year. And oh, wonderful. He is, uh, he's really um, from the point of when he first found out that his mother uh, was not going to return. He was like on a down sparrow. He was mm-hmm. really, really, you know, and I pray, you know, I prayed that, you know, God, please, do something to help him understand that, you know, we are all going to go through that, but she just had to go at that point. And that mm-hmm. I prayed that someone would come into his life that he could uh, understand and move on from that point, but not forget his mother, but just have her in his heart that he can still do the things that his mom would would have wanted him to do. And she always told them that, you know, you can go into any profession that you would like, but you have to pick something. You have to pick it. She said, I can't pick it for you. You have to pick it. Mm-hmm. And he has made the choice to be in the medical field. So Is that right? He will be... Um, his his application went into University of Seattle, so he's gonna follow the footsteps of his mom and dad because his dad works in the medical field also. Mm-hmm. Wow! And the second, yeah, the second child, he's in music, so he's um, seventeen. You got an eighteen-year-old, a seventeen-year-old, and then a thirteen-year-old, which will be fourteen really soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always, uh, when one of them, uh, I call it stepping out the boat. When one of them step out the boat, the other one <laughs> put his hand on his shoulder and say, you know, we are brothers and we are responsible for each other. And you know mom always told us that we have to make sure the other person is doing what they're supposed to do. As well. That's wonderful. And you, and, and how is Mr. Davis as well, how is he? He's he's mm-hmm. doing a whole lot better than mm-hmm. when it when it first you know hit his mind. And there is no time limit on grief. As mm-hmm. I found that out uh, years ago, um, but he takes one day at a time, and mm-hmm. I visit with him. And he was concerned, and I I could understand he was concerned as far as uh, building a relationship with another woman. And, you know, I I sit down with him and told him I love him as if Mm -hmm. he was my son. Mm -hmm. And I approve of whoever you make the selection, whoever you make the selection to build a relationship, I approve of it. Because you are here, and Coletta is on the other side. And I'm not telling you to forget Coletta, because I'm sure you can't forget her. She's in your heart. You cannot forget someone that you love. However, if you truly love, you will always have room for as many people as you can possibly meet. You would always have her love there. 
and you can love someone else. I say, but you're going to have to make a choice and make some some standards and do some things so that your life would halfway balance out. Can't just stay stuck uh, remembering this stuff. It's like driving a car. You can't always look in the rearview mirror. You can right. glance at it once in a while, but you've got to stay looking forward for the other road signs. You can't just stop and just gaze into the rearview mirror because you will crash. There's no way you can stay balanced if, you, if you're always looking back. Mm-hmm. That's and, wonderful that you're able to do that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes, and you know it. It that's what Coletta would have wanted because she mm-hmm. was not a selfish person. She just mm-hmm. she just was not selfish at all, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she would um, she would always get upset when other people wanted to be selfish, and she would try to explain to them, you know, don't you know. Don't try to haul all the toys. Just <laughs> when she was a kid, she would all she would always be the mediator between <laughs> her brother and sister. <laughs> you don't have to fight over the lotion. It's three balls of lotion. Why are y'all fighting over that one bottle of lotion? <laughs> now was she your oldest in in the yes. order of your children? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oldest. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was always, you know, Mama. I just don't understand why they're why they're so selfish. Why can't they just play with the toys and not argue over? <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, what type of support? Yeah. It's just amazing that you can share her story um, yes, with others. I is. can't imagine the grief that comes yes. from losing a daughter in the war. The only thing yes. rivaling it is losing a son in the war. Um, but yes. there's just some of these stories are just so heartbreaking when you read about uh, what happened at the, the services with the families. Mm-hmm. Um, one young woman who struck me, and I still remember and think of her from time to time. She's buried at Arlington PFC, Sam Huff. That is her name, Sam. I almost missed her as one of the women who were killed in the war. All of 19 mm-hmm. years old. And at at her funeral, they played that song, um, Butterfly Kisses. I I mean, mm-hmm. just thinking about it makes you cry. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. The other day when Deborah called, um, a general who I know, um, his daughter had been killed in Afghanistan, similar circumstances uh, with like Carletta. And when he got the news, she had been at West Point. She was a, one of the overachievers in her class. And a good friend of his, who is also a general, when I asked whether he would like to be on this program, said no, because he's still not over that grief. He, he they, mm-hmm. the whole family, withdrew for almost a year. And but you never, you never get over. You don't get over grief. it. No, you never. And I tried to use the words to explain to another lady when I talked to her on, I believe it was on Friday or Saturday. And she um, was at the restaurant, and she wanted to place an order, and she saw the picture that I had up of my daughter and the three sons. And I used the words, she works in the forestry, and I tried to explain to her, you have seen a person with uh, third-degree burns over 100% of their body, and she told me yes. 
I said, well, you multiply that by 100, Mm -hmm. and the pain that comes from that, it really gives a small example of how hurtful it is to lose a child in a war that most of us don't understand. We don't understand. We don't understand that. And then live here in the United States, and we go about our daily chores, shopping, playing, swimming, whatever, and then you have that hurt. It's like your heart is has been burnt, third-degree burned, and everything, whether it's a cologne smell, whether it's the laughter that sounds like Carletta, or whether it's a, a music song, or whether it's a blouse that we shared, we pass, we usually mail, we used to mail each other clothes that we liked, and uh-huh. I would say it's time for you to mail my blouse back to me. I mean, you had it for months. <laughs> Why do you ever mail my blouse? <laughs> and I said it's time for me to mail it to Amanda. I mean. What's up? Why can't you just mail the blouse? <laughs> and, and you know, it's stuff like that that brings mm-hmm. back that memory. And then, if you cried as much as I did when she was five years old, and she went off to kindergarten, mm-hmm. and I drove her to kindergarten, I wouldn't let her get on the bus. And then I stood there at the kindergarten door with my head glued to that little glass window in the door. And mm-hmm. I was like just crying. I was I was just boohooing. I was just so hurtful. I was crying, you know, my child, she don't need me anymore. Mm-hmm. And um she saw me at the window which I was trying not to let her see me and she got up out of her, her seat and went to the teacher's desk to the teacher was sitting at the desk and um, I guess she asked the teacher if she can go to the door or whatever. And she come to the door and she uh, she said, Mama, you can go home now. I'm oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I was so embarrassed. I was like, she Hello, understood. you have a question? She understands. Oh, she understands. Wow. But so I, and then people looked at me at her service because we had a, uh, going home service for her here, and I was so happy. And I just say, you know, this is a celebration in Louisiana. When a person dies, you do not cry; you celebrate. If you're crying, it's because you're happy that they have passed over, and you're celebrating. And I told him, this is a celebration. This is not a sad, gloomy. This is not a sad day. Right. And they never saw me crying. Mm-hmm. And after that service took place, there was a lady that I'm friends with her, and she lost her husband two years prior to my daughter, and she would be crying every day. She just made herself sick. She would cry. She was back and forth to the doctor. She was crying. And when she went to that service, and she says she saw me not crying. And she says, 
what was it? Why didn't I cry? I said, well, you know, crying is not one of the ways that I grieve. It's just not mm-hmm. the way I grieve. Mm-hmm. I say some people have to cry to grieve. There's nothing wrong with crying. And she said, well, my husband been dead for two years, and every time I think about him, I start crying. I said, that's perfectly healthy. I mean, you cry. I said, me? I don't cry. I just work. I get up and I do stuff. And I said, well, you know, if I go shopping, and I know Coletta likes purple, I said, well, you know, she would love those purple flowers. I'm just going to make those little purple flowers, put them in the container, and take them up to her site. That's my part of grieving. But Mm -hmm. other people, I might write a poem or I might cut out paper dolls or whatever. Whatever comes to comfort me, that's how I get comfort. But by crying, that's not me. That's so not there's cry. nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong with me not crying. It's the fact mm-hmm. that I vent in other ways. I I do cry, but that is not one of my main ways. things to do. Yeah, that's not that's not me. Or I, I might, um, one of the things that I do is I'm in the grocery store and I see military people in those fatigue uniforms with the little great hats on. Mm-hmm. And I think about Coletta wearing that. I've seen her wear those outfits. Mm-hmm. And if they're in the grocery line behind me, whatever they're buying, I just pay for it. Mm-hmm. And then I mm-hmm. tell the lady at the register, if there's any change stuff, I would just give it to them. Mm-hmm. And I just respect them for taking and their life. Because they donate, they're donating their life. Their life, that's right. For us. They're donating their life for us. And what a blessing you are. The civilians that don't realize that, I'm sorry they don't realize that because people donate, they're donating their life. They're giving their life because they could be out swimming every Tuesday or they could be out going to crochet classes or or their bridge clubs or whatever it is that people do in the the non-war zone, as we call the United States. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Well, I want to, I want to, we have about five minutes left in the show, and I, I do have one caller on the line that uh, might have a quick question here. Hello, um, a caller from California. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. State your How name, where are you calling from? Uh, this is Cezac, and I'm calling from out of Los Angeles, California. Yes, yes. And what what is your comment uh or in and or question today? Well, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, like the mother said, most civilians don't understand the sacrifice that people have made. So, um I really wasn't expecting you to have a show on Memorial Day when I seen what the topic was, I said, You know what? I wanna check that out because so many sacrifices are made for this day and for most of us it's just family fun, right. food, friendship, but it's right. really, it's it's a historic moment to remember, just to remember those, but to acknowledge the ones that's living right. for their right. daily dedication to it. So I just wanted to commend you and the mother and say God bless her, 
and the grandchildren as well as the young men that's going to school in Seattle. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We, we appreciate you calling in, Czak, as well, and uh, listening to our show. Thank you. It was right. a very nice thought. Yes, uh, every it was. year we usually watch the Memorial Day concert that occurs in Washington D.C. on the Mall, and they mm-hmm. have actors who portray personal letters from uh, people who have served people who have been injured, uh, family members, uh, just wonderful stories. And then uh, yesterday, as they've had in previous years, they have the real people who are being portrayed by actors such as Gary Sinise and uh, Diane Weiss and others. Uh, They just do a wonderful job with that memorial service every – it's not a service, it's a concert. Uh, And Mm B.B. King kind of, you know, rocked it up too. Um, but it's well worth watching every year. If you missed it yesterday, um, either look it up or b- make sure you don't miss it next year. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I, um, I, is that one? I think I saw something on Facebook about that. Uh, yes, it's on PBS on, every right. year. Well, I want to say thank you um, to you, Elaine, for coming on our show and just being such a great asset to us today and for everything that you're doing as well um, with your organization. Yes, and uh, also please give your website again. Yes, 3Ws.CMRLink.org. Uh, we deal with this with the personnel social issues. We've got lots of controversy on our webpage, but deep down it comes down from a concern uh, for the men and women who volunteer to serve. They uh, put so much at risk, and I just don't like their job to be made more difficult or more dangerous than it needs to be. Correct. And I also want to let everyone know, if you go to Facebook, um, we have the event there, and we also have on the page um, the tribute to black women. And they have a, a on their website as well. They have a special piece about uh, fallen soldiers there as well. So definitely want to put you in contact with that site uh, as well. And then Miss Napier, we want to thank you uh, just for being such an inspiration. Um, you are just truly an example of how one should live their life uh, of peace and forgiveness. And we thank you for raising such a phenomenal woman uh, in your daughter and uh, blessings to, to you continuously and your family. Yes, and I give all of that glory to the scriptures, to God. Thank you. Well, I wanted to close thank out you. the show uh, in and having the list here that we have from um, your site, and I'd like to be able to read as many of the names as possible. Would you like to to read some of those names as well, Elaine? You mean from the list? Yes, from the list. Well, there's there's quite a few. There's 123 of them. Yeah, Every one of yeah. them has a special story. Um, the the uh, the names are very familiar to me, and and uh, many of them are minority women. Um, one in particular who comes to mind: beautiful faces. The, the women yeah. who serve there. There's some wonderful photographs, and I always try to make sure that I see at least one photograph. And uh, some of them, the circumstances of their death still somewhat in in question. Don't really mm. know exactly what happened. Um, in, in Fallujah, there were three who were killed in an attack on a truck convoy. 
uh, mm-hmm. horrible burns occurred there. And in your heart, you think about that story and you remember that it happened in June of 2005. Um, mm-hmm. these stories don't go away. I'm, I'm, I hope that people will look up the names. I don't have all the stories linked to the names. Uh, but just go to Google and you look them up and you see more about each one of them and how they gave so much. And uh, you just your heart goes out to their families. It does. Well, we have actually run out of time, and I want to, again, thank you. Uh, we'll close out the show and remind everyone we'll be here uh, again next week, same time, 12 noon Eastern. Our special guest will be Shirley Darden, and uh, she's an educator. Definitely want to tune into that. But this has been a great show again. Thank you, ladies, and uh, thank, thank you. you to all the men and women who serve us. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman, turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister, and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysistas.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.